Hi ladies, I am here with my friend Sarah Eddy and we are going to be talking a little bit about um, intentional parenting. So I want you to kind of introduce yourself and share with us um, what it is that you do, how long you've done it and things of that sort. Awesome, thank you Felicia. Um, like Felicia said, my name is Sarah Eddy and I am the mother of two teenagers I have a son that is 16 and a daughter that is about to be 20 next month. And for the last 15 years, I've worked in the school system, predominantly as a school counselor. In the past three years, I've been practicing as a licensed professional counselor, which is basically therapy. Um, the schools saw a big need for that um, after some local school shootings at a school close to us, um, higher suicide rates, depression and anxiety, and just how to address that. So mm. that's kind of where I've been the past three years. And prior to that, I used to work in hospitals as a recreational therapist and using play and recreation as a modality to help treat people to have better lives. So, Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. So back to your upbringing of your kids what do you think now that they are grown um what is some areas of parenting that you feel like really impacted them and stuck i love that you said that now that they're grown because i almost feel like we're just beginning it's like this new phase i was listening to something the other day that was talking about adolescence really being from 9 to 25. So I have a lot of hope um, that if I didn't do it right when they were younger, that I have another opportunity to do that now. And with uh, so many of the college students and growing up students that I see coming back, I think there's real opportunities to do that. But what did I see that had a big impact on them? I, I knew I was going to be on this podcast today. So I asked my 20-year-old, I said, you know, can you, can you tell me some things that I did great, that dad and I did great, and some things that were not so great? And one thing that she mentioned um, that she really liked was that she always knew that there was kind of a place to come back to. And while I say that, we, we had rules for sure, but she always knew that it was a place where if she got stuck, Kind of, kind of what our values were. So mm -hmm. I'd start with that. I, th I think the biggest impact is really knowing your values. And of course, when you know, I started, um, I had her when I was 30. And I thought I had a pretty good idea of what I valued. But of course, anybody that has children, you kind of redefine as you go along. But I think just giving them a place where uh, one of the examples I have, um, alcohol is a big thing for teenagers, um, any type of decisions that you have to make that might influence you. It's, it's not legal mm. for underage, but our rule in our house and our expectation was always, if you decide to drink, mm. please call us. That's good. And I think, you know, and, and again, this is just my opinion. This isn't from a therapy standpoint, but I think it was important to them know, to know where our boundaries started and mm. ended. So, they did have a clear expectation of that. And she mm -hmm. always said, you know, I knew if I got in a pinch, I didn't have to lie to you guys. That's so good. 
you know, and, and that can be very controversial because on the one hand, it's not a behavior we wanted to encourage. Mm-hmm. And she, she said, I knew that. I knew that you guys didn't want me to do that. But she said, I knew if I decided to do that, I could also feel comfortable and you weren't going to berate me and mm-hmm. tell me, you know, I'd done this thing wrong. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a real strong thing. One of the things, looking back, that I, I, I struggled with and I still struggle today is just projecting, you know, things that I love from my childhood mm-hmm. or, or wants that maybe I don't still have fulfilled in my life. And still, even as them being teenagers, just trying to separate from mm. who am I and who are they. That's so powerful. Yeah, and I, I think it's really hard as parents yeah. to not, to know where that fine line of, you know, what's best for your kid mm-hmm. and really letting them be an individual. Mm, that's good. So I, um, I've i shared with a lot of my audience that um, I am a stepmom as well. So I have a five-year-old. Um, that I gave birth to. And then I have a nine-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son that um, my husband had prior to our marriage. And so one of the things to back up what you just said, like when my nine-year-old turned seven, she really started to show interest in a lot of things that um, my five-year-old obviously isn't interested in but like I was never interested in as a kid either and I kind of made I didn't kind of make time I made time to um, spend a whole day with her and just really listen to her new interest Mm -hmm. instead of shutting it down and we were in the mall and she was wearing jeans and a really pretty shirt with these little heels and um we kind of went through and I just let her look at some clothes and she picked out a black hoodie and a pair of vans and some pins to put on the hoodie. And I allowed her to do that. And then I asked her, I was like, do you want to put it on right now? And she was so excited and like her whole face lit up and it was just such a memorable moment for me because, um, had I not taken that time, I could have been projecting my own style onto her. And in that sentiment too, you know, why would we want to encourage them one to be something they're not but two to feel like they have to walk in shoes that isn't authentic to them and and also growing up too fast right Mm. trying to look pretty and then eventually maybe sexy which was an issue for me I just I liked all the different styles but um if you're too encouraged in one way, then I feel like it could eventually be bad. And they don't feel like they're loved for who they are. Mm-hmm. She also likes very different music. She's very into art. Um, and so encouraging those things while still buying the glitzy, glammy stuff for my five-year-old because she loves all of that girly stuff, I think is important to create space um, for each of your children individually. And having that alone time with them individually because they are so different. Yes. So let's let's talk about that alone time. Um, one of the other things that my daughter and I were discussing is the importance of having that alone time with each parent, mm. right? And just really respecting their individual differences and needs and kind of that being equal. And that might look different within every family. Mm-hmm. Some of the listeners um, on this podcast had written in, some questions about, well, what do you do if I'm a single parent? You know, of course you can't fulfill the role of two parents if they're not there, but you can still fulfill your role Mm -hmm. in the sense that if you're 
child does have an interest in something. My daughter was really into theater, nothing that I was interested in at all. So how we managed that was, you know, I started looking at plays more and started finding out information about it so that I could have conversations mm. with her. She liked to read books a lot. Um, my son, he had kind of followed in her footsteps and was really good at theater. But again, decided that's not what he wanted to do. Oh, how cool. So that projecting, you, you, you know, it was really important that we let him be mm. himself, you know, and not just, well, this is what your sister did. You mm. should do this too. You know, you see that a lot with parents. Um, and it's, it's hard, especially when your kid's good at something, mm-hmm. to not want them to pursue that. Right. So, you know, being able to say like, all right, we tried that, but you, you know, you do you type of thing. Um, God, my, that's powerful. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, it's, you know, it, it's equally as hard to see them struggle, but mm-hmm. when they're really good at something and it's just not their thing, that's not our choice to make, you know? And I think that gives them a lot of freedom. And I, I wanted to talk to you too about what I loved, um, what you were saying about when, your daughter was getting dressed in the dressing room and kind of picking her own thing. You're also encouraging trust in her, in herself, yeah. you know, that she's able to say like, Hey, I can trust myself to pick out these clothes. I don't need somebody else to tell me so what looks good or, you know, who I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And with working with parents and, you know, adolescents, I think it's really important that they can trust themselves. And, you know, a lot of times, kind of being from an outsider's view, which is the beauty of part of my job, I'm not right in the middle of it. So it's very easy for me to say, yeah, let your kid wear, you know, the chains and Mm. the black clothes and, you know, trying on those different styles because I'm not in the middle of it. But it's also encouraging that that they can have their own identity, Mm -hmm. you know, and that that's fluid. Mm -hmm. Most, most, you know, 30-year-olds still are not wearing the same style they were when they were teenagers. I mean, thank goodness if I was still wearing what I wore <laughs> as a teenager. Oh, know? my gosh. And and I went through so many different styles, and it it's so liberating um, for me that my mom, she did. I mean, I dressed like a skater girl. I was really into, like, the bell bottoms and, like, tank tops and things like that for a while. Um, and now I actually kind of implement those things into my style mm-hmm. as a hairdresser. We, we have that freedom. And so it's really fun because sometimes I do dress like I ride on a Harley. And if that happens to fall on a Wednesday and then I end up in church that night, then, you know, back to ruffling some feathers of what we think things should look like. I think it's healthy as a young child to be expressive respectfully for the age. Mm-hmm. But encouraging maybe even some adults to just be free in how they dress and what they wear. Um, and of course it's still modest. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And that, that also goes back to, you know, like the kids kind of judging each other in schools because the parents want them to look, walk and talk a certain way because they're fearful of being judged. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had somebody, that was close to me tell me that um, I encouraged her to allow her son to wear whatever he wanted and maybe not have a haircut as frequently as he was getting a haircut because he hated getting a haircut, Mm. but it looked a certain way, but he was still just a kid, you know? And I think that those things can start very young. My five-year-old dresses herself, um, weather appropriate, and the clothes are clean, so I just kind of let her 
do her thing. And I know not everybody is that way, but it, it, it is, I believe, important too. Right. Um, yeah, awesome. Something they, they can control. Yes, yes. Um, so what do you see a lot of, so tell me again, you're in the high school, correct? Correct. Okay, so what do you see a lot of um, with the, the young kids coming in and this time frame that we're in now, like post-COVID, coming out of COVID, coming out of isolation. Um, I know different families have different um, beliefs towards um, this whole situation. Like, what do you feel like is the most common issue in the children or the teenagers right now? If that's not an yes. overloaded question. No, I, I 100% depression and anxiety. And how anxiety is presenting itself is kind of different than when you and I might have been teenagers. Mm-hmm. There, and we all know this. This is nothing new that I'm telling your listeners. But all the pressure with the social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, if for every, you know, if I had a penny for every time there was a social media conflict, mm. we'd, we'd all be millionaires. Now, the, the good news is social media is not necessarily a bad thing. That's right. But being able to teach your child how to properly use it, mm. having having boundaries with whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. platform they're on, it can really be a tool that inspires people, that's very positive, that's proactive, and it can be immensely devastating. You know, so what do mm. you do? You know, one of the things we find ourselves a lot with is it's that instant, either the instant gratification of getting mm. the likes or sending something and then the ramifications. That's good. And and I think most young adults are not aware of how serious, you know, sending a picture can be or it, you know saying something to somebody and that kind of being recorded forever, oh, you know. Wow. And that there's really legal ramifications for a lot mm. of these things when you turn about 14. So Mm -hmm. you really need to be careful with that. And that's where, you know, having that conversation like with my kids is, I know you're going to use it. Let's talk about some potential areas where you might find yourself in in big trouble using it, you know, where I can't come and rescue you and kind of role playing and role modeling. What, what is it going to look like? You know, when you send something and then, you break up with that person mm. and you know, you can't, you can't get out of it. And they start sharing that picture or sharing what you said mm. about somebody else. That's really good too, because I think what I hear a lot of behind the chair is, um, well, back in my day, we didn't have to worry about that. Or back in my day, we didn't have that. And so they're not adapting to having these conversations mm-hmm. They're just comparing to their experience, which is far different. And it, and when you're not stepping into that and saying, like, I know you're going to use it. Let's talk about the, the good in it. But let's also talk about why these things are bad and why you should not um, do X, Y, Z. I've personally experienced that. Um, I had a boyfriend and um, we broke up. There were some pictures involved. And then when I was in the process of starting my business, Mm -hmm. um, they tried to 
humiliate me, which thank God it was post baby and I'm not ashamed of the way my body looked then and I wasn't entirely sure in a situation that was stripped, right? But it still was very scary. Mm. Um because your your character, then you think about like your future, your husband, eventually grandkids. Like once these pictures are out there, they are out there. Right. You know, they're out there on the internet and and it it is a very real thing. But I think for them as well, they know nothing but this. Right. So if they're being shut down by their parents or not even having these conversations with their parents about social media, maybe some of their parents aren't savvy or aren't using it at all. Um, I think that there's a place where they need to be educated in that um, sentiment of like, let's not condemn them and tell them you shouldn't have X, Y, Z, but like, hey, look out for this. That is definitely something that my mother did based on her experiences. She shared with me some very hard truths about what she went through, but it was in case I ever found myself in that situation, Mm -hmm. and I actually did, which we can talk about later, Um, but it saved me. I knew exactly what to do. Um, and it, having that conversation at that time, I felt like was pointless or maybe too much, but it literally saved my life. So that is, um, wow, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. It is powerful. And in that too, I mean, there were things that she suffered and went through that didn't have to be my story. And had she not told me it would have been sexual abuse, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, being taken advantage of and I I found myself in a situation one time that I was able to navigate out of because of what she shared with me yeah so thank you thank you for talking to us about that that's that's huge and and the other thing too that I think that opens up the door to is having those conversations you know sometimes especially with with our own kids we we are so fearful of the implications of these things so we immediately go into that fight or flight. We want to shut down the conversation. This is how you need to do this. This is how this needs to be done. Let me tell you the rules instead of really sitting back and say like, gosh, you know, there's still going to be consequences for you, for you doing these things. Mm-hmm. But kind of what, what led you to that space, you know? And, and a lot of times if we can just be still enough and listen what the kids say is, is, is heartbreaking, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, well, nobody at school paid attention to me. So I had to go on to this website, you know, and, you know, start sending things to people that were paying attention to me. Mm. You hear that, you don't, that immediately takes you out of that place of wanting to reprimand that kid and punish them. It, it want, it wants you to be with them in that moment. And I think, for parents, that's so hard because that's our biggest fear mm-hmm. is our kid, you know, feeling like they're not enough. Oh, wow. So so just really being able to say, you know, like what, what led you down that path in the first place? You know, when you hit that button, what, were, what, what was important about that? What was, what was going through your head? And, and you know, the kids will be like, wow, my parents are really interested in, in what happened. And again, it's not accepting. It's not saying I'm okay with what you did. But why? Yeah. But what, you know, what was going on that, that, cause that's not like you, that's not something 
you know, that I'd normally expect from you. That's not in your character. That is so powerful. I think we give that compassion to friends and mm. adults and my clients even. I'm I'm guilty of that. I have such a compassion and I know that nothing that they do was for just because, sure. right? Like it came from something. It, there was a root. There was something a lie that told them that they weren't good enough or an area where they weren't getting what they needed. Um, and I think that that goes back to just like the basic five love languages. Like everybody has a different love language. There's a, a book by Jerry uh, Gary Chapman um, called The Five Love Languages. It's not very big, but it changed my marriage. Mm. And, it, and it applied to my children as well. And there's a separate book for children, but I believe that the first one is sufficient. Um, and we typically tend to love them in our love language. So I think just fulfilling their love language and spending that time with them or um, doing things with them is important too because they're fulfilled at home and then if they're not as fulfilled in school then you're able to kind of know what's going on but that's powerful you know I'm I'm guilty of not um asking like well what led you there Mm -hmm. that's a very powerful question I think in itself and it sounds like you know a lot of what you see is our biggest fear as parents um Mm -hmm. and it is the reality and we do tend to, and I'm guilty of this as well, is like, well, I'm the parent, you're the adult, and this is just how it's going to be. And I can see why the kids would feel very unheard. Because I have women that sit in my chair all the time that feel unheard. They feel um, like their feelings are invalid or they shouldn't feel them, so they don't talk about them. Mm. And I also learned more about myself and my self-growth journey these last four years like I was never um taught how to have hard conversations and um in that it makes it very difficult in a marriage it makes it almost impossible to parent and also being a business owner it's like you have to be able to have raw conversations that are in love that set boundaries and expectations because if there's not boundaries and expectations, then what exactly are they being in trouble for if they didn't know from the beginning? Right, right. And that, yeah, so there's a huge movement in the schools. This probably, I don't know, started about 10 years ago, but really at the beginning of the year, they have you write the expectations like down on the wall, you know, but it's same for families too. I mean, you can have a set of expectations Theoretically, how it's supposed to work is everybody in the classroom is supposed to say, you know, what what their needs and wants are. Now, we all know in reality, it doesn't always go that way. But Mm -hmm. when you're more in that micro family environment, I think that could be really powerful in pulling your kids, you know, what what are our values in this family? You know, and being able to point back to that, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, we didn't do so great on this today. Let's let's explore this a little without being condemning. but saying this is something we value. And I, I think really um, one, of, one of your participants had asked about, you know, just j- family in general. Like how mm-hmm. do we deal without having another spouse? I think I'm, I'm circling back to that. But I don't think it's going to be much different than if both spouses are there. Mm-hmm. You know, your values are your values. So what happens when they go, I hear this a lot, you know, even with 
students that come to me, well, you know, things are very different over at one parent's house than they are mm-hmm. at the others. And you quickly get to know which parent they typically are more comfortable at their house. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I talk to them about is, let's say, for example, it's, it's the mom's house that they're more comfortable with. You know, what can we do to prepare when we're going over to dad's house? You kind of know the routine that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And again, if, it, if it's not something that's unsafe, mm-hmm. we're going to work with that because by law, they have right. to go there. Um, but what, what are some things that you can do? What can you take when you go there? You know, well, I don't have any friends. I don't have any access to any of this stuff. What kind of materials could you bring with you? You know, dad doesn't have X, Y, and Z snacks. I mean, these are trivial Aww. things, but just little things that they can take with them so they can be prepared when they go over to the other parent's house instead of going into it blindly. Um, and one thing that you said earlier that I love is, or maybe this was, we were talking about this separately. When you and your husband, one thing that your mom had kind of taught you is that you really wanted to kind of be on that united front with mm, your spouse. Yes. When your kids, you know, even though you might not agree with how your spouse is handling a situation. Yes. When you're in front of them, putting up that united front so that the kid knows, you know, they can't go to the other parent because we see that a lot too with with families that are separated, which is tough. And I don't have an answer for that, Mm. but I do know the more that you and your spouse, whether you're together or not together Mm -hmm. can come up with, again, kind of this Mm pre-planning, pre-gaming, you know, when our kid does this, we know they're going to do this. I mean, there's kind of all these things that, the scenarios, how are we going to respond to it? Mm. And having that discussion before it happens, so great. Because then there's not the question of, well, I, you know, I didn't agree to that, Mm. you know, and for kids, that's so confusing. And one thing we know about kids all the way up through 25, (laughs) they need consistency. Oh yes. Yes. Right. So inevitably when there's a, you know, rupture, Right. In that relationship, they're going to be clawing for any way they can to get that routine mm-hmm. and consistency again. Yeah. And I, I can recall being younger and doing things that I deserve punishment for. But if it wasn't a united front situation, I felt like a victim. I felt mm-hmm. like I was being abused. I felt like, you know, my dad was just mean to me and it had to be because of all these reasons. Mm-hmm. And so that accountability factor affected me into my adulthood because I never took about accountability for my actions because I knew I could play them against each other. Mm. And so it's powerful, but also, you know, I do have some wisdom in, um, the blended family dynamic both of my kids have different mothers um and i have great relationships with both of them it has been a working progress it hasn't always been peaches and cream but it's work and when you decide to love somebody who has kids um you're saying yes to their mothers as well or their fathers as well and you have to make the effort to build a relationship with them for that kid that kid's sake but also for your partner because Mm -hmm. if they wanted to be with them first of all they would be um and you really have to kind of rid yourself of any jealousy comparison um 
or even feeling like you're better than because that doesn't help anybody. And it takes a special woman to do it. My mother did it. And so I had a great example, but um, for the sake of the children, you also have to grasp the fact that eventually one day you're going to share grandkids. So if you can't figure it out with the kids, they're never going to come around. Mm -hmm. You and this woman are always going to be bitter, bickering back and forth. It stunts your own growth. And then they're ultimately going to choose their biological parent and you're not going to have anything to do with the grandkid. So I know that that's a lot and that's meaty, but I felt like that's for somebody who's listening. Um, and if you ever want to talk about that, I can kind of shine some more light on it. I'm not an expert by any means, but I've learned a lot in seven oh, I, years. Absolutely. It's like, I think it's, your lived experience is huge. It's so good. And so I, I just really um, established communication with their mothers from the very beginning. And at first, my husband was like, wait, what do you mean you talked to her? And I'm like, I was respectful. I just need to know. Um what they like to eat, for example, or what time does he take his medication? Because mm -hmm. dad's not naturally consistent. And instead of harping on him, like, what do you mean you didn't give him his medicine? I just set the alarm and make sure he has it. And when he gets up in the morning, it's all taken care of. Yeah. Um, so having that because they need, like you said, consistency, but they also need to know that mom is a safe space. And, and my kids share with me far more than they do with their dad. Mm. And again, if it's not something that is a concern or an area I feel like we need to touch on, then I don't really tell him everything. But I do share with him like, hey, this is, this is how she's feeling right now. Like maybe you guys should schedule some time together, mm -hmm. you know, and, and try to just be that that person that's aware that you are called to the marriage, but you're also called to the children and that you have a place and it's not the place of the mom. Like you're, you're sure. unique in that, right? You, right? you have the ability to do things that they can't do instead of constantly comparing and that, that spirit of comparison. And I, I believe what I believe, and I'm not projecting that on anybody, but in my opinion, it's very contagious. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody who is constantly comparing yourself to other women or yourself to other men um, or other families or other people in the church or other people in the school, then your kids are going to naturally do that as well. Because at the end of the day, they look up to us and whether they want to be like us or not, they're in that environment. They're mocking it from the second that they're a young age and and I think that that's just a harsh reality that we have to accept that we have to constantly grow so that we can be better parents as well is important absolutely and in that modeling thing you know we're gonna mess up yeah. so there have been times too where I've gone circle back with my kids and say hey I really don't like how I did this that's good and I need you to know if I could do it again I'd do it differently mm we're not perfect, you right. know, and, and I think that's one of the things that really makes my relationship with my kids wonderful. I've, we've never put up that expectation that mm -hmm. we're perfect. Um, we have some perfectionist tendencies, but that's individually. Right. But as far as with our kids, we don't tell them details of things that we've done, but they know enough to know that we struggle with stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I was younger, I always thought it was so important 
you know, not to let your kids see you arguing or fighting, but that can be a really good thing for them mm-hmm. to see you disagreeing on something. Mm-hmm. And what's even more powerful is when you come back and how you resolve it, because that teaches them, hey, I can, you know, I can disagree with people and resolve things too. It oh, doesn't have to be either or. You know, there's so many paradoxes in parenting. Yeah. And I think really just standing kind of in that middle and just being like, I, you know, you can, you can be mad and love somebody at the same time. You know, as parents, I think we forget that we have a choice that we can do both. Mm. And we really do. I mean, we can, That's you know, good. you can, you can be angry at your ex, but you can still love your kid mm. and want what's best for them. You know, how, mm-hmm. how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you so some something that we talk about a lot in therapy are what are called protective factors. Mm-hmm. And they're things that you, you already know, but you might have just not framed them this way. So that's like having a support network. We all need that, whatever it looks like. Um, we also need to kind of like be able to be an individual, right? To be able to express ourselves, to have mastery over things. Mm-hmm. So looking for those ways where we feel... Like we're good at something. Mm. So providing your kids when they're at your house with things that they they have power over and they have Mm. mastery over. Even such things like as choices. You know, we had a question on here about, you know, how do you manage your toddler? I think just the way you talk to them at a young age. And it can be simple things like you want your kid to go to the bathroom, let's say, before you go out to the grocery store. So instead of saying to them, okay, do you need to go to the bathroom? You, you already know the answer to that. That's not really what you're right. asking, right? You're, you're saying go to the bathroom. You can say, do you want to go to the bathroom in my room or do you want to go to the bathroom in the living room? So you're giving them a choice from an early age mm-hmm. and using that to their advantage so that they start to feel that autonomy, mm. that they're making choices, you know. And that, that goes up into being teenagers, you know. Um, you, you know, a lot of going back to the younger age, a lot of people are picky eaters. Okay. Do you want to eat yogurt or do you want to eat the salad or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. You know, give, give them two healthy choices, but they're Mm -hmm. still getting to choose. So when they're teenagers, you know, you have a curfew. Do you want to come home at 11 or 10? You know, I mean, you're still in control, Mm -hmm. but you're, you're giving them a sense of that they have some control too that's so good so like 11 is the absolute latest right like you have the option you have the option coming (laughs) in at 10 that's so good yeah good so what age did you um allow your children personally to I guess go out until 10 or 11 like what did that look like I'm just curious so this is our personal no 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 this is opinion yeah this is personal opinion this is this is not therapy 101 okay (laughs) um and and again I think this is going to vary that's why you know some questions like general questions are very hard to answer because they're very personal to each individual's situation for my husband and I he really did not have a curfew growing up Mm. and it worked out really good for him he was a rule follower and it just it never presented problems. I had a curfew um, and I like to sneak out too, you know? Oh, so I mean, wow, can, yeah. you know, I mean, we can put these boundaries in, but, the, but what I, what I love about this is there's no right way to parent. 
You right. know, so there's freedom in that. So for my husband and I, we kind of came to the conclusion that we're, we're going to bend more on the, you, okay, you can pretty much stay out until midnight. And this, this occurred early on. Neither of my kids were big go-outers, though, or are big okay. go-outers. So, again, the problems that we thought we were going to have, we didn't have. <laughs> but things that we didn't know that we were going to be up against, oh, we were yeah. up against. So I yeah. think... Um, Curfew was never a big one. What I will tell you a story though, and I and I love this. I'd learned at a conference. One of the um, therapists in our training had introduced the concept of a time in. You know, when we're younger, we hear a lot about time out, but what's becoming very popular now is having a time in. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, like my my kid's a teenager, like we don't we can't do that baby stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh no, this is beautiful. So my son had decided to sneak out one night. And, you know, it, it wasn't a huge deal. Like, I, it, he wasn't doing anything, like, that he shouldn't have been doing when he went out. He was just more pulling pranks. But I, first of all, I told him not to do that, <laughs> right? So there's that whole control aspect. But then after that, um, I had to get up and go to work the next day. So I had heard him and, you know, heard him coming back in and what I was more upset about was my sleep was being disrupted (laughs) right (laughs) so I thought okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try this I had just been to the conference and I thought I don't know he's like this is a few years ago so 15 whatever I'm gonna try this this concept of time in so I just told him I said we'll talk about consequences tomorrow like I'm too tired I don't have time to deal with this so I you know called my husband and said all right Here's what I'm thinking, what should mm. be his consequence. And I said, I learned this new thing, this, this time and concept. And since he spent two hours, you know, away from the house doing what he wanted to do, he now has to spend two hours with me in Ew. the kitchen doing dishes, doing laundry, whatever it is I decided. I okay, defined. I like this. Yeah, so <laughs> it ended up being... Wonderful, because then I get to spend more time with my kid, mm. and we're getting something done that I want to get done, because I had lost a few hours of sleep, I felt like, uh-huh. from having to attend to that. So, you know, you can be creative, too, when your kid acts up. I mean, this this concept of time in was just life-changing for me. Like, I just... Okay, so we're talking about time in. Um, I think that's so cute. So, was he, like, upset? Or was it kind of like a funny thing? It was kind of a funny thing. Okay. I mean, he was upset because, you know, he's a teenager and he does what he wants to do. Uh, And, you know, why would I be angry about this? You know, so we, and and again, going back to the why am I angry? What is it? That's not really what it's about. You, Mm -hmm. there was a boundary in place. You broke it. Mm. You know, I'm your mom. I don't have to explain to you everything. Yeah. But. Again, it was just really good time together. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so. And I guess that's something that we're not typically taught is that parenting can be fun. Um, You can be creative. And it doesn't have to look like what everybody else does. So I think a a big problem, hindsight that I can see, I um, see many different um, ages of women, different dynamics of family. And I think that ultimately one of the main struggles, um, myself included, is 
I guess the self-development in ourselves to where we can um, be better parents and parent intentionally in a world that, you know, we just juggle so much. And I feel like my heart really just breaks for women who don't pour into self, um, really take the time to learn different techniques, take the time to read books that are going to encourage them, um, t- challenge them to grow, teach them to have boundaries, and then be able to be a better mother or father, what have you. Um, I think that we just live in a society that is so busy and not very many people feel like they have time to do that. Um, how or what type of advice, and this is a good question for myself as well, do you give to somebody who might feel complacent in even the knowledge of parenting or being a good parent? Like, do you have a few books that you might recommend that are just good starters for yeah. intentional parenting? Or- Absolutely. There, there's one I really like called The Heroic Parent, and we can put this in the notes. And it is by Reedy, I think is the guy's last name, but I'll put it in there. Um, and he has a outdoor treatment center that he has mm-hmm. in Utah, and I just, I really like his stuff. Um, there's another podcaster. What do you mean outdoor treatment center? What oh, is that? great question. So he does long-term treatment, and he takes kids out into the wilderness, teenagers, and um, most of these kids are afflicted with drugs or alcohol use mm. and abuse. And so he has wilderness leaders and they all have therapists. And so, yeah, he is just fantastic. So it's called the heroic parent. That is so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Any other books that you would recommend? I like anything by Brene Brown. Okay. And one thing I was going to suggest, you're kind of t- going, going back to the question that you just posed. You... I, all of us have an opportunity to reparent ourselves. Mm. So many times, you know, when you're talking to adults, we get into that fixed mindset of, you know, it's too late. I, it's never too late. It's really not. You always have opportunities. If you weren't parented the way you wanted to be parented, we're not going to put that blame and shame back onto our parents. But what can we do as adults? We can reparent ourselves. And even in the best case scenarios, we still need to repair in ourselves, right? Oh, that's so good. So what does that look like? Well, asking yourself, when, when you were talking about earlier, what did you need at that point in your life when you were going through some of that sexual trauma? You know, mm. you had your, your mom's wisdom that you mm-hmm. kind of lent on. What did that person need at that point? Mm. You know, really going back and getting deep with yourself. Mm -hmm. Did she need a hug? Did she need her mom? Mm. Did she need a friend? What did she need? I mean, she was missing something. Mm -hmm. And kind of going back to our conversation about, you know, what led the kid to post something on social Mm. media that you just think, this is so out of character for you. This is, quote, unquote, not how we raised you. Oh, that's good. Um, There... They're missing something. One of their basic needs is being met. You know, mm-hmm. again, that belonging, that sense of mastery, something within them is not is not feeling connected. Mm-hmm. You know, and all these studies out now are about relationships and you know relationship building. And I think sometimes we can talk about it too much, but what does that really look like? 
you are that first person for them, you know, to build that relationship. And, and if it didn't, if it didn't look like how you wanted it two, three years ago, or maybe when you were going through a really tough time, it can look different now. So we, we just always have that choice to make it different. So Brene Brown, what I would start with, um, with her is the gifts of imperfection. Mm. If you're kind of looking on doing some self growth, that's, that's probably a pivotal book that I've read. There's an older book from the nineties called, um, stand up for your life. That's by Cheryl Richardson. That's another really good one. Um, her hair looks kind of nineties. So she's got oh, big curls and whatever, <laughs> um, boundaries by Townsend. Mm. This does have a t- Christian twist on it. So some of it sometimes, um, you know, when I've read through it or worked through the workbook, there really will be like, um, biblical things in there, but the premise is really good oh, that's for good. It, even, you know, wherever you're coming from. Um, yeah. So that's those, good. we can, we can throw all those in the notes. Awesome. Um, I think to another struggle that I see and is, is pretty common and frequent is really with the parents that are, they're working and the kids are in sports and then they have whatever dynamic at home, um, whether they have faith or don't have faith, it's like they have all these areas that they're, they're being pulled, you know, I kind of asked this question already, but, um, I feel like a lot of people are, um, losing a lot of their time to social media. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some things that I've personally done to discipline myself and how long I'm spending on there. Um, am I being intentional with it or am I using it as like a, uh, a mind-numbing experience. So I've actually started deleting all of my social media apps after I intentionally put out content or intentionally sprinkle glitter in the abyss of chaos that's on social media sometimes. And then I I delete the app and this has been so healthy for me. Um, I've been doing it now going on a month and it really helps me to not... um, waste my time on there when my kids are like tugging at my pants for attention, you know? So I, I really feel like, um, that's something huge as parents that we can lead by example in, because if we're constantly on social media and we're telling them that they don't need to be on social media, it's kind of hypocritical, but also I think social media is just the complete opposite of social, Right. Like, and, are, they, are they really and, socializing? And, and for us, too, you know, it's like, why don't you grab a girlfriend and go have coffee instead of socializing strictly through social media? And, and then we're kind of leading by example with our children as well. Like, hey, let's go out to lunch and be intentional and put the phones away and do those kind of things. Um, because, again, they, they do kind of mimic what it is that we do. So... So a few things in there, a few gems. So how do we do that? Like, great question, right? Yes. Because we, we all know that this is a problem. Yes. So you can start implementing things within the family structure. When we sit down to eat dinner at the table, mm. my daughter throw, told me to throw this in there because she's a nutrition major now. And she oh, says, good. make sure that you bring up that eating as a family oh. has huge benefits. Now, were we perfect with that growing up? With my children, 
Absolutely not. Because right. we were one of those families that had the sports, that had the things mm-hmm. going on, two people working. It just was not realistic to sit down at the table and eat five times a week. So mm-hmm. I would say start small. Start your goal small. So, you know, we can get really overwhelmed, like, what this looks like. Mm. Getting away, not comparing to anybody else's family, but just saying, okay, so we're doing it one time a week now. Right. Let's take it up to two. That's good. Right? So starting small. When you're at the table and don't have any other distractions on. Mm. So even if that means, again, kind of bringing humor into it. Okay, here's our bowl to put everybody's bones in, parents included. So, like, everybody's doing the same thing. Yes. And you can kind of chuckle about it. But modeling it, because kids will remember that stuff, Mm. you know. And I've seen um, teachers do this before. They'll have, like, a shoe rack, and all the students have to put their phones up in the shoe rack when they enter the classroom. That's one of the expectations, the procedures. Mm. Because we've gotten so, you know, used to them just being like a part of an extension of ourself. Right. So the other, something you were asking about the how. um, I don't know, but I guess the question I currently have is like, are they allowed to have their phones in the school now? They are. And it's super tricky. (laughs) Yeah, it's. You know, and it's that really fine line of there's so many mm-hmm. legal matters now. I really, right. my heart just goes out to teachers because there's so many things that they're not empowered to do right. because of the consequences, you know. And it's, um, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they, they are allowed to have Yeah, <laughs> see, and, and that just goes to show. So I graduated in 2009, and at that time, back in my day, right, like, they would take your phone away and you had to pay $20 to get it back. And I remember my mom being like one of the crazy moms, like, I will sue you and you better give us her phone back and all those things. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see how much things are constantly shifting. And I think I heard somebody say this the other day um, on a podcast and she said, if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. And she was relating it to business. But in that same sentiment, like, I heard my pastor say the same thing. And I was like, okay, Lord, I hear you. Like talking. Yeah, (laughs) like, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think that we do just get complacent in areas of our life where we have just done things a certain way for so long. So back to the table thing, um, Somebody had done a teaching on family dynamic and um, (laughs) my table at this season of my life was so pathetic. We had like two mismatched chairs. One was broken and nobody ever wanted to sit on it. And then we would like have to get a chair from outside for all of us to fit at the table. And in our rent house at that time, like the table was pushed against the wall. We could only use one side of it. It was like all wonky. And after I heard this teaching, I like cried. I felt so convicted. And I got a table on payments that was gorgeous Mm. and probably couldn't afford it at that time. But I was like, Lord, like you want me to have this table? I'm getting this table. And it it brought so much joy to the family to be able to all fit. Yes. That we were actively sitting there more. Um, And it's become such a fun thing so my husband actually he typically waits to eat a while after we eat but um when we have 
all of our children there because we are a blended family. I tell him like, no, you you need to come and sit with the family, mm-hmm. and he does, and mm-hmm. it, it's a beautiful thing. And then he doesn't always say he'll eat later. Like at least two times out of the week, he will sit with me and my daughter, so we do get that. Um, and then we do just kind of like have a conversation, like, well, how was your day? And I take her to school and pick her up. So we conversate more and he'll tell us what he built and what he did and they'll ask questions. And it it really does just open up something that I think was a beautiful establishment from way back when that, mm-hmm. that we should not get away from. And, and, and that was something that I really felt um, was like heavy on my spirit this past week is our time. Like we cannot get our time back. And saying no to some things that might take away some of those family values for a sense of peace, security, and time together, whether that is an additional sports or um, a side hobby or what have you, because we are not created to be that busy. And I think that we get overloaded and it becomes harder to parent when you're not... um, in a space of fulfillment personally. Mm -hmm. So I hope that that kind of makes sense. Um, Yeah. I I wanted to ask you, and this, this is something I would ask, like if you're a client and mm -hmm. you come in and said, you know, I, I got rid of some of my social media or stopped. How did you know that it was time to get rid of that? At what point, what was your limit? How did you know that it wasn't working anymore? So for me, Personally, um, primarily I use Facebook for my business. So Mm -hmm. I own a hair salon. I get the bulk of my clients through Facebook, broadcasting my work. Um, And now I have this private empower group for women where I'm sharing resources and, and encouraging. And if I feel led to share a word or what have you, um, then I do that as well. And I just felt like I, I'm in this season in my walk with God. So my, my, um, faith is not a secret in that sentiment. So I'll just go ahead and go there because it's where it came from. Sure. Um, when I moved into my home in May, we are out in the country and I, was so excited and I found myself still like a little antsy like well I want to go do something you know and and the very blessing that we fought so hard for like I wasn't content with being still and so in that I was like praying my way through it I'm like Lord like help me just be help me just be anchored and like there's so much to do here whether it's soaking or loving on the home, or pouring into myself. I have all these books that I want to read, all these things I want to do to water my own mind and grow. And I'm so um, overwhelmed by, instead of things that promote my self-development, so I really prayed my way through it. And um, I have a girlfriend that I'm really close to, And we always talk about being intentional, um, having routines so that we don't have to have resolution. So really just the um, 
awareness that I had all of these ambitions and things that I knew I was in need of doing in order to grow into the woman that God needs me to be, called me to be, that I want to be. Um, And so really just anchoring myself in the stillness and being on the property and submerging myself in the word. So it started with a really solid morning routine, Um, started getting up earlier. And I shared this on one of my other podcasts as well, where I read the word with my cup of coffee and it's not rushed. And after that, I stretch. And so that was something that I felt like was so out of balance was like mind, body, and spirit. Like that's the three things that we need for us to be okay so we can pour out. So I read the word, have my coffee. That's my that's my spirit, right? My spirit time. And then I stretch. So that's my mind and my body. Like mm-hmm. you stretch, I put on spa music. It's great. And then I would get a workout in mm-hmm. and that's, physical it releases endorphins it's good for you so then I feel like okay now I can tackle my day and being intentional and not having the apps on my phone I'm like okay I got a really good word I think that this is for somebody I've had my time with the Lord so I I know what's fresh I put it out there and then I get off so the instant gratification's not there anymore when I come back with another word and I see the comments I can engage in them but it's it's brought me to such a place of healing from one, wanting the attention to wanting to be intentional, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so I knew it was time to get rid of it whenever um, I just didn't feel like there was a direction. I was just getting on there and I was like, oh my gosh, like what did I get on here for? And I would just get overwhelmed almost. Mm. Like, I got things I want to share for my business. I got things that I need to be saying on Empower. And it wasn't intentional. It was just all over the place. And um, I still was able to deliver, you know, a word when when it was on my spirit or my heart to do so. But I just feel like now it the impact is, is better because yeah. it's not, um, it's not just consistent scrolling sure and then basing off of what you're seeing you're projecting whatever you're posting based on what you're seeing and now you're just conforming yeah you know and and what's interesting is you know you're by saying yes to your morning routine Mm. you had to say no yeah to the social media because they both I mean we just don't have enough bandwidth no for both to have that space no and so that's something very often I'll talk to students about it again social media within itself is not a bad thing but how are you going to know when Mm. it gets to be too much Mm -hmm. you know and like you said being intentional kind of knowing you are not feeling fulfilled yes scrolling through that you know and for students a lot of times that will come out with well I'll know it's getting to be too much when I feel triggered like I need to to send a picture or maybe I'll know it's been too much when my homework's not getting done. I mean, we all have different limits on, you know, why, I mean, as adults, that type of stuff is not as concrete, you know, Mm. because we've kind of 
hopefully we're past some of those things. Yeah. We're not as um, spontaneous as like yeah. a, a student might be because your yeah. brain's not really fully developed until you're around 22 to 25. So their impulse is just so much faster, which wow. which makes it different. Like when we're looking at social media, when as a younger human is looking at it, you know, oh. things that like we can with assuredness say like, well, why, why would you do that? Like, why would you just right. take the buttons? Our brains fully developed and we have more of that awareness mm-hmm. and to stop ourselves, you know, I mean, and it's hard. And so again, I think for them to really know where that line needs to be mm. before they get to that space, you know, cause yeah. it is kind of like a drug, you know, I mean, yeah. how, you know, how much can you have before it's, there's going to be repercussions yeah. for your actions. Yeah. And I think just having that in the back of their mind, whether or not they, you know, fulfill that initially, mm-hmm. at least is making them think about it. Because like you said, when we get on social media, it is so numbing, mm. you know, and it just, it's that constant feed and overwhelm. And we just, humans, we just don't have that brain with, to carry all that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's so much information, albeit a lot of it's good. Yes. You know, it can be, everything can be positive. Yes. But how do you sort through, like, well, where is my place? Like, if, I, if I'm saying yes to sorting through this, I'm not working on yeah. Empower. That's I'm right. I'm not doing my other things, you know. So I That's think right. just having those clear boundaries with your kids, mm. too, recognizing, you know, it's it's not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. what could you do different? Yeah. I I also learned, you know, it must have been four or five years ago, my business coach at the time was talking about the social media time suck and how much time the average person spends on social media. And I don't remember the statistics and what exactly those numbers were, but it was frightening to me. Mm. Like I have things that I want to do in this life that are very ambitious and big. And what could I do if I didn't do other you know it's like you could write a book by the by the time you look at all the time you spend on social media and and now it's become like a treat for me like I'll download it and just be in my my bed like maybe once a week indulging in it but it feels good because I'm engaging I'm commenting I'm like sprinkling glitter everywhere and I do still at the end of the night delete the app and it's helped me a lot and and um and I think that everything in moderation and that might not be your conviction or your struggle you might not really struggle with it but you're also leading by example with your kids um and that's always a good thing too um but yeah I think that We've got some really good stuff here, and I'm excited for feedback. Do you think that there's anything else um, we should maybe touch on? Because I could talk forever, so I don't want to go down a whole rabbit hole of like. No, I think I think we covered a lot other. of the basics. I think you know, just kind of imparting, just you know, giving ourselves grace that you don't have to. There's no such thing as perfect parenting. Yeah, so um, keep trying on different hats that work, and really. Take that time to do your work, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that is probably the biggest piece of advice I could give is if you're in a good headspace and you feel good where you are, you're just going to respond so much healthier so true. to your to whoever you're interacting with, but especially your kids, you know? Um, and, and I think probably we can both look back and when parenting has been the most challenging is 
I'm probably having some inner ter- turmoil too. You know, when we That's can come so rational to our kids and mm. if we feel fulfilled, um, that's just going to sprinkle. I like your word, sprinkle onto them. So. <laughs> but yeah, that's thank you so, so much, Felicia, for having me on today. I've really yeah. enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys, um, I hope this helps you and we will be sharing more knowledge with you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening and we will see y'all on the next one. Bye.